Exceptional Field Service Delivery creates, magnifies, and sustains exceptional customer experiences and brand loyalty. Welcome to the Super FM Podcast, Field Service Your Way, with me, Michael Israel. I'll lead conversations about critical issues in today's field service ecosystem with knowledgeable and experienced service management professionals. Now, let's learn something. Hello and welcome to Zuper FM Field Service Your Way with your host, Michael Israel. Michael, what is going on? Well, uh, not a lot. It's a very, very nice day here in uh, New Mexico in Albuquerque. It's uh, beautiful blue skies and I actually saw a whole bunch of balloons in the sky this morning. Oh man, that's I, I love watching those. They're just fascinating. Yeah, we, sometimes we, yeah, well, oh, well, you have to try it. It's really fun. But uh, yeah, we, oftentimes we see... Uh, several over our house you know as many as six up to 20 nice. and then of course coming up in october is the international balloon festival where there's literally hundreds if not thousands of balloons in the yeah. sky here so it's amazing it's yeah. insane i've seen the launch point and everybody trying to get their balloons ready i just let's just, yeah. just organize chaos it's crazy yeah, it's and they cool. get in the air and it's just beautiful it's kind of cool right on well i know you have a guest on the show today who do you bring on I have Gavin Fall, and uh, Gavin is with uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, HPE, and she's responsible for, let me put it this way, fixing customers. Oh, and nice. I think that I think that we will be talking about that during this conversation. All right, fantastic. We won't tell Gavin that I'm a Mac guy, and we'll just get on with the interview. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually a good segue. I think, uh, Gavin, uh, let me introduce you, Gavin Fall, but I'd, I'd like to ask you to give a little background about yourself and in the process of doing that. Also, uh, let's talk about what Hewlett Packard Enterprise is, HPE, because it's really not the same thing as what um, what was just referred to by Eric, I believe. Is that, that correct? That is correct. And yeah. thank you for having me, Michael. I appreciate sure. it. Um, so my name is Gavin Fail, and I do work for Hewlett Packard Enterprise. I've been with the company for about 12 or 13 years. And the organization I currently run is the Critical Accounts Program, which I founded uh, between nine and 10 years ago. Uh, the work we do, as you pointed out, is we fix customers. I mean, how much more simple does it get than that? <laughs> we can certainly talk about that in greater detail. And, and as I mentioned to you most recently, we are always shifting and moving and changing in the spirit of continuous improvement, um, much of which is very much related to our topic for today. My history is from startups in the Silicon Valley. Uh, spent most of my early career focusing on high-tech companies in various forms and, and, and functions, primarily in the customer service arena. And as I mentioned, been at HPE, which when I bought when I when I bought them, I didn't buy them. When I joined <laughs> them, uh, they were plain old Hewlett Packard, which did encompass the whole business, which is the printers and the laptops and and the IT infrastructure enterprise business. And some years back, and, and I don't recall the exact date, but it's been a while now, we split the businesses and they are now two separate companies. Mm -hmm. Regular Hewlett Packard is the printers and the laptops and probably a whole lot more, but that's not the business I work for. I work for Hewlett Packard Enterprise and we focus on IT infrastructure. Uh, you'll you'll know by the way I describe us that I'm not our marketing person, but uh, it's the uh, we we deal with the the servers and the storage and the networking the the things that make large companies IT infrastructure run. Mm -hmm. Very so that's good. And what I'm doing and where I work. 
Well, that's great. Thank you very much. And I'm going to allow you to publicly embarrass me now because, <laughs> <laughs> because I noticed that you said gave and fail and I said gave and fall. And I should know better because I've known you for a few years <laughs> that's and, okay. and I and I mis mispronounced your last name. So my humbly, humble apologies to you and to the audience. No issue. Thank you. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about what your job entails? I, I think you have some very, very interesting tales to tell about some uh, some situations that you've been involved in where you really were focused on not fixing a problem, but fixing a customer. And yes. I think we need to we need to drill in on that concept a little bit. Do you mind? Oh, no, I do I mind I'll talk all day long about it. Um, well, we've yeah. only got about 45 minutes here. Well, I'll, try, I'll talk fast, which I do well. So, yeah, the, the thing that distinguishes us uh, in, within our organization and within, frankly, a lot of customer service organizations is that we, while we do touch on technology issues, specific instances of technology issues, our overall mandate is about the customer relationship. And in fact, mm -hmm our overarching set of objectives, and they've been this way since day one, is to return our most critically important customers to prior reference status and buying patterns. So that's a big ask, right? That's not you a bet. fix my technology issue. It's like, get us back on track in terms of the relationship. Um, and that has been, again, again, from day one, where we set out to make a difference and where we have quite frankly, very successfully made a difference customer over customer, year over year. Uh, the way we do that is very much at a kind of a core level. We start out by identifying, I'll, in fact, I'll break it down three pieces. The first piece, it always starts with a fire because that's what brings us to the table. It's unfortunately, the reality is it's the straw that broke the camel's back. All right, that's it. I've had enough. And by that person, I'm referring to the customer mm -hmm. where the relationship now is at risk of being severely damaged, if not beyond that point. And sometimes it just takes an instance where one particular, it could be a very small technology issue, but it's the last straw. Um, we come in the door, we put out that particular fire because you can't have a reasonable conversation during a fire or even when there's a lot of smoke around. So we got to get that out of the way. So that's a very tactical part of what we do. Check box number one. Box number two is something we call peeling back the layers of the onion. Okay, clearly one technology issue does not ruin a relationship. What happened here? What, what got us to this point? Let's kind of reverse back, uh, again, peel back those layers and find out all the different things that got us here. And I will tell you, if I had to put one designation on that entire process and findings from that process, it's a difference in expectations. And that sounds very generic and very simple, but that's what the root of it is. Somewhere, if not multiple places along the way, we diverged in our expectations, that, that of our HPE and that of our customer. Um, and it's getting back on the same page. It's, it's bringing us back to the table and saying, okay, the past is the past. Where do we need to get moving forward? Because we're both heavily invested in this relationship for a variety of different reasons. And we both want the same outcomes. Uh, and my team, facilitates that. Um, we work with our technology teams, our sales teams, um, obviously our services partners, and, and clearly our customer. And, and the last piece is um, ensuring that based on those findings that we made all the appropriate adjustments ourselves and our customers together, it's a very much a collaborative effort uh, to get that relationship back on healthy footing 
and going back to the beginning objective, ensuring that prior to that straw that broke the camel's back, we are back to those prior reference status and buying patterns. And in fact, we reach much further than that. Our goal is to get ahead of that game, be better off than we were prior to that particular trauma. Um, so that's in somewhat of a nutshell what we do. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. I really like uh, what you said about expectations because so often in my experience, not only in, with work, but in in uh, personal relationships as well, things go awry when expectations are not aligned. So um, what do you think that companies need to do to make sure that expectations are properly set so that when problems arise, it's not because there was miscommun miscommunication between the parties, but uh, for some other reason. Do you, got, you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I do. Uh, and you you actually nailed it when you talked about it, it's a it's a relationship business, right? This exactly. is like any other relationship. And, and, and if you've ever been exposed to or heard about marriage counseling, for example, <laughs> the idea that what's the number one thing that couples or people need to do to keep a healthy relationship? They need to communicate. And yep. it's not a one-time thing. You can do it up front and you should and do it well and learn from your mistakes and say, okay, how do we ensure up front at the beginning, we're all on the same page. Now, reality check, organizations are very fluid businesses, right? They People mm -hmm. move in, they move out. Uh, businesses themselves change even without the people moving in and moving out. So we have to keep up on it. There has to be a conscious effort to say, let's refresh and ensure outside of trauma that we're still on the same page. And I don't mean just refresh, like let's refresh our service contracts, which of course we do as a matter of course, uh, that's just business, but mm -hmm. really building in a proactive, and it's an investment of sorts, but it's such an important element to the overall health of the long-term relationship. And oh, by the way, it's a far less expensive way, an investment than fixing it after the fact. Quite frankly, I love what we do and I think it's important, but you know, we're doing it because we could have done other things better along that's, the way. Yeah. That's just a reality. And that's not because my company is any different than any other. It's just a reality. So I'm talking about a perfect world. And when you ask my opinion about what can you do to keep things along, uh, open along the line is you talk. You know, you've got sales teams, you've got services teams. You may even have other teams explicitly set up for, hey, we're going to check in on a, a proactive basis outside of trauma to make sure we're still on the same page. Is, is this is this still working for you? And I don't necessarily mean a customer satisfaction survey, although those serve a purpose as well. Sure. I, I like the idea of relationship maintenance, <laughs> um, given that that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I think too, on the whole uh, topic of expectations and communications, it's it's gotta absolutely be a two-way street, as you alluded to with marriage counseling, for example. But the same thing is in business. I mean, you would, the best possible outcome when you're selling a customer, for example, a, a service contract, a maintenance contract, is not to just say to the customer, okay, here are the terms of the contract and we're guaranteeing, you know, 99.5% uptime or whatever the terms are, and this is your price. And then just leave it at that. You don't just present it to the customer and say, here is the contract. It's got to be an interaction, right? It's got to be, here's the contract. These are the terms that we believe are fair in the contract. Mr. Customer, what do you think? What is your perspective on this? And then uh, collaborate and get to something that is 
both parties agree to, both parties see as a win-win situation for them, so that if there is any problem, then the problem is not exacerbated by the perception that the communication was one way only and the customer's uh, perspective and involvement was not welcome and was not uh, not encouraged. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And I would go so far as to say, and Michael, I know you and I have had these conversations in the past, that that's not that even that's not a once a year conversation variations on that are conversations even during and maybe not so traumatic incident but it's that okay we've had an issue this came up you know we may not have been on the same page during that issue and we acknowledge that sort of in the moment depending on who's who's working it and here's where i believe and i've had this this philosophy of this feeling for my entire services career we in service have this unique opportunity to interface with the company's customer as they're interacting with whatever it is we sell, whatever solutions, products, services, et cetera. And that knowledge, that ability to be real time in front of that customer, whether it's virtual or physical or both, is something that I think is un unmined territory in a lot of organizations, including my own. Um, and it's those opportunities for conversation. And it's not like, oh, let me figure out how to sell you something in the moment. That's, you know, of course, look for upside. But it's more about maintaining that relationship through communication that's relevant to what's going on in our businesses together. Yeah, it, it, not only relevant, but probably somewhat frequent and perhaps even more importantly, somewhat personal. Exactly. So so uh, allow me to get on one of my soapboxes for a minute, if you will. Of course. And that is that I think social media in many instances has really interfered with developing close relationships, not only personally, but in business as well, because people tend to rely on email uh, rather than oftentimes picking up the telephone and calling a customer and talking to them face to face, so to speak or better yet, even getting on an airplane or in your car and driving over to see the customer and have a meeting with them, maybe a lunch, maybe a coffee, maybe just a meeting across a desk. Those things can be so much more impactful and can result in so much, so many better results than just exchanging uh, ideas and uh, other activities via email. So I always encourage people to really try to establish a much more personal relationship with your customers because in the long run, I think it'll be more successful. Uh, I, you're you're speaking my language. I, I could not <laughs> agree with you more. Uh, we don't, as a rule, have a lot of travel in the work that we do. Sure. Face-to-face -face is not always an option, but I will tell you one of, if you, if you asked my team, like randomly, you just picked up the phone and called, ironically picking up the phone, and called one of them and said, hey, what is it that Gavin says? Probably so often that you're tired of hearing it, but she says it a lot. And they're going to tell you it's pick up the phone because of exactly what you referred to in the way of email communication. This applies to dealing with coworkers too, by the way, or your yeah, absolutely. Or your absolutely. husband or your whoever, pick up the yeah. phone, have a conversation. And in our world, in the services world, we always have to pick up the phone when somebody's calling us because something's on fire. That's fine. That's just, again, that's the business that we're in. But the idea that you would proactively or during the course of trying to solve a problem, pick up the phone because, you know what, I want to have a personal conversation with you. I want to have an interaction that isn't about us versus them. It's, it isn't about please fill in the following blanks to solve this technical issue. It's about we are partners. 
we have a vested interest, a shared vested interest in the outcome here. Let's talk about how we do this together, how we best collaborate. To me, that has to be a real conversation. That can't be an email. It can be supplemented by email. There's a, a sure. place for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, I think it can be also much more efficient. I mean, um, in the first place, uh, email can be very, very impersonal and oftentimes misinterpreted. And uh, um, sometimes emails don't convey the message that you really want to convey uh, because picking the right wording in an email oftentimes is difficult. So I think it's oftentimes much more efficient to have a phone conversation that maybe lasts 20 minutes to make sure that you clearly understand each other. The customer understands you, the service provider, and the service provider understands the customer rather than go back and forth with five or six or 10 or 12 emails until you finally get to maybe the same result that you would have gotten if you'd have spent 15 or 20 minutes on the phone. And in, in the process of spending that 15 or 20 minutes, the, you've almost certainly established a much closer relationship with your customer. Oh yeah, it's a free tool. That, mm -hmm. that phone, that, that conversation is a, everybody can do it. Everybody has access to it and it's invaluable. And it a hundred percent always improves the relationship. It may not be the only thing and it may be more than one phone conversation, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah. kind of a wasted opportunity if you're not doing it. Yeah. Well, thank you for allowing me to get on my, one of my favorite soapboxes. So I'll, I'll get off of it now. Um, <laughs> Let me ask you, without revealing any proprietary information or confidential information, can you talk about a real circumstance that you were involved in where things kind of got out of control and your team, you and your team were able to bring the customer back into the state of prior referenceability and prior buying um, tendencies? Well, that kind of is the definition of our work. So it's yeah, all of them. Um, yeah. uh, so let me think if I can give a good example of a recent one. Um, yeah. So we've had, I mean, as any good technology company does, we have routine rollouts of new solutions sure. for our customers uh, that help meet their business needs. And in the course of rolling out anything new, there are growing pains. Um, and we're no different in, in that regard. So they're they're not they're not necessarily this is not a beta program for example this is after you've gone through some of the real traditional steps to get a, a solution out to your customers there are still mm -hmm. growing pains and the good news is that in technology in particular our customers are smart people they get it they're in business sure. too um that having been said those bumps are never pleasant and sometimes they're more than we anticipated Mm -hmm. um, and to the extent that the solutions are complicated and the environments they're going into are complicated, that can exacerbate the bump situation. I'm using the word bump like it's no big deal. Um, <laughs> most recently, I can think of a handful, certainly, but the one I'm thinking of in particular, big customer, critically important to us strategically, financially, you know, key business partnership from the past, the current, the future, all the above. So check all the boxes. And they are a good partner in that, you know, they work with us. It's not like, oh, well, we're going to sit back and ask unreasonable things from you because we paid you money. They're, they're a good partner, a good customer. Not that most of our customers aren't, they are. Yeah. But in this particular case, even under all those circumstances, we stretched the bounds of the relationship. And I'll go back to the word expectation. You know, their expectation and quite frankly, ours were that it was going to turn out better. 
that the, the results earlier on were going to be more smooth and were going to solve more business problems earlier on than they were able to given a variety of different circumstances. So we enter the picture. And again, oftentimes there's a specific technological issue that has set things off. It's been the, the last straw, one on top of multiple things where, you know, I can take that, I can take that, I'm getting close to the edge here. And that last one was it, I'm now I'm mad. Yeah. Uh, and usually that's where we enter and certainly in the one I'm thinking about. And the opportunity is, and, and it's something I didn't mention, it's a conversation we have with our internal teams first, but one of the requirements for the work my team does is an agreement by the customer at a relatively high level, the business owner, the relationship owner. So it's a VP, uh, somebody who owns maybe the IT organization, uh, the R&D organization, whoever our primary customer is because that's where the relationship exists. In, in addition to a lot of the, the players that work at a more operational level, we have to have a conversation that says, okay, here's our understanding, because we do our homework first, of where we stand right now with you, where your concerns and frustrations lie. Here's who we are and what we're here to do. We wanna partner with you because we can't do it alone. We're not doing it to you or for you, we're doing it with you. We're, gonna, we're in this together, one way or the other. Are you up for that? Because quite frankly, it's possible a customer could have reached a point which is too far gone. They're like, you know yeah. what? No, we're out. Okay, we get it. We're going to turn you over to the people who can help you with an exit strategy. Yeah. I got to be honest with you, and I am not sugarcoating this because that's not who I am. I have never seen that happen. I have never seen an executive come to that conversation and say, no, we're done. So the good news is we've always come in just in time or soon enough not to encounter that. The other good news is I think we've just done a really good job as a company developing strong relationships. So they're not that fragile. Yeah. Um, and, and in this particular scenario, like every other one, we say, great, we've got a team, we've got your sponsorship, we've got our own executive sponsorship. It's another part of our cap model. Um, so this is not done at the, the lower levels of the organization. This is supported from the top down, uh, this engagement, because again, we're recovering a strategic partnership and relationship with that partner. And we get real, then we get really tactical. Then we get into the nuts and bolts, that peeling back the layers of the onion conversation. So mm -hmm. okay, together, let's figure it out. Um, and the one I'm thinking about now is actually in that phase. The good news is we have something, and this might be proprietary, but I don't think it is. Um, and, and if it is, then I'll take the hit. <laughs> we have something called the hot list. And it's an mm -hmm. opportunity, in addition to a lot of other things, to ensure that our senior executives have a heads up on any customer scenarios, especially big customers that are that are bubbling, that mm -hmm. are really hot. Just in case that phone call comes out of the blue, the, the, the executives are going to go, you know what? I was aware of that. Mm -hmm. and they may even take it as an opportunity to proactively reach out. That happens too. Um, but we we... Our goal is it's first the first entry, they're all on the hot list for us. It's like, okay, this is the definition of what we do. They're hot. Right. Our goal is to get them off that list as quickly as possible because that customer now is partnering with us. It's no longer us versus them. It's no longer, we're not, we're now questioning the relationship. We're questioning the trust we have in you, our partner, to provide us what we expected you to provide us. That is our goal is to knock that down as quickly as possible and, and have a working collaboration. Uh, and the one I'm thinking about follows that path really nicely. It's uh, that's how we measure if we're doing it right, because if it's still fragile, it's still hot. We're still worried about that phone call flying out to one of our senior executives. Then we probably haven't done the way we're supposed to be doing it. Um, yeah. 
Well, thank you for that. I think a, a couple of points. One is that uh, the emphasis on collaboration again. I mean, you could go in there or any service organization could go in there uh, into a customer that's in trouble, a customer that's on a critical list, a hot list, so to speak, and want be wanting to bend over backwards to do everything possible to bring the customer back around into a positive uh, situation. But if the customer is unwilling to co collaborate with you and cooperate, it's not going to happen. It, it's got to be a collaborative effort when you reach when you reach that point. So I think that's very, very important for you to point out. And I well, appreciate that. There is actually one other point that I didn't make. And you made. Oh, sure. Um, and that is that I have been in companies and I'm going to say about my I'm old. So I've been in a lot of different companies. But in the past, there's another vehicle companies sometimes use to, quote unquote, solve that that problem that and that's to throw money at it. That doesn't solve anything. It, yeah. Oh, I'm going to give you free this, or I'm going to give you a rebate on that, or I'm going to make you feel better by by putting a big old dollar sign Band-Aid on it. And that has never worked in my personal career. Uh, I've never seen that be a even midterm, let alone long-term solution. So that collaboration is the real answer. If you're throwing money at it, you're not collaborating. Um, that that's that's a Band-Aid. Um, I, I, th I think that's really good advice, actually. And I would really encourage people to listen to that because I've seen that happen in my career. Yeah, and, it's the easy yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if however, if you do what you do, where, where you go in and you fix the customer and you collaborate with the customer to bring them back around into a more positive situation, then perhaps time there are times when it's appropriate to not quote unquote, throw money at it, but maybe it's, maybe it is appropriate to give them a credit for the downtime, the excess downtime that they experienced or the ex extraordinary difficulties that they went through for a, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever, give them a credit on the next uh, maintenance contract price or a uh, larger discount on an additional purchase um, in order to help compensate for that. But if you haven't fixed the customer, that isn't going to fix the problem. It's yeah. just going to delay the problem. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Let me let me trans transition for a minute to something that you and I've discussed briefly in the past, and that is the whole concept of completed service work. And uh, just for our audience, again, completed service work means that once, for example, once a technician or a field service engineer is dispatched to a job and they finish that job, say they're um, inspecting a computer controlled lathe device in a manufacturing plant, uh, once they've taken care of the problem at hand, in the in the philosophy of completed service work, their work is not done yet. Their work is only done when they try to anticipate the customer's next problem, the customer's next need, the next thing that might be helpful for the customer, the next question that they can answer about perhaps how to use the equipment or to perhaps how to behave very safely around that specific piece of equipment. Completed service work means anticipating the next thing that would be helpful for the customer. Um, and I think in a, in, a, in a very significant way, completed service work ties in very, very closely with what you're doing, what your organization does. And that is that you are not just, uh, as we've talked about throughout this uh, entire podcast so far, you're not just fixing a problem. You're fixing the customer by going the extra mile with the customer as well. Would you agree? Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think that philosophy spans the entire service relationship, all the way from your example to a somewhat tactical situation sure. that can be leveraged even further. 
because we're there. It goes to what I was talking about earlier in my philosophy of, of the unique opportunity that people and services have and can make use of and can leverage. Um, we're there. We're interacting with the customer. We've got a, a view into their environment, if not into the relationship beyond that to kind of the level of work that my team does. Let's use it. Let's make use of it. Um, and frankly, both for somewhat selfish reasons, which is fine. We're all in business. It's not a secret. Um, you're there, you're learning, you know, you can walk away from that situation and go back to your sales team and say, Hey, you know what, these guys are missing this, or they may not even know about something we're already doing out there in the marketplace. Go talk to them about that. That's one level. Another level, I think more consistent with your perspective on completed service work is the idea that it's, and here's a phrase that I know I shared with you last time we spoke, the closed loop corrective action. Yep. And that goes to my onion example. Okay. We had, we uncovered some things in the scope of that onion peeling exercise, and we went back around, we closed the loop with a corrective action that says, this can't happen again. What caused this to happen? Um, was it a technology issue that can be solved in a tactical way with, you know, on-site spares? That's just one very tactical example. Could it be a different example, which is, you know what, we need to have our our, our services team in here on a quarterly basis reviewing with you your service delivery and if it's meeting your needs because either because we're still trying to get on the same page or maybe your business is changing. You're in a place where, and we need to know that. We need to know that your business is, is morphing into another place, another season. And we wanna keep up with that. And it's not a once a year exercise. So being in there and you happen to be there for maybe a reactive purpose, but you're there. And you're learning and you're talking and you're gaining trust as you should in those situations. Don't waste that opportunity. That's how I view completed service work. I think it achieves a very tactical purpose as well as a strategic and sometimes a selfish one. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And we did talk about this, you know, a couple of weeks ago and you really opened my eyes, actually. Thank you very much. <sighs> because completed service work doesn't mean just taking care of and making the customer that you're working with today doesn't just mean making them happy and increasing their loyalty. It means broadening that to encompass the entire service process, not just for that customer that you happen to be working with right now, but for all customers. So as we talked about before, an example might be that you discover something in working with the customer that you could relay back to manufacturing engineering that might result in a an engineering change or a safety change that then benefits all customers, right? Absolutely. Uh, you might discover a process that was that you were following in the delivering the service that could be improved. So when you improve on that process, maybe it's the dispatch process, the scheduling, the routing process, whatever. When you improve on that process as a result of what you learned at one or two customers, when you improve on that for all customers, then you're really doing completed service work for everyone. Exactly. And, and that benefits not only the individual customer, but all customers and ultimately the company itself. So, you know, I think the conversation we've had about this has been uh, very enlightening for me, actually, and I hope for our audience as well. So... We are right up uh, getting approach approaching about 35 minutes, I think. So are there any closing thoughts that you would like to impart to our audience? I think they're chomping at the bit to hear some more from you, Gavin. Well, you know, <laughs> as I mentioned, I love what I do. I think our work is important and interesting and exciting and 
I have a lot of people in my personal life think I'm nuts. It's like, you do what? And you like it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that's right. I love it. Yeah. Who, who likes running into a fire? Yeah, that's kind of crazy. No, yeah. it's, it's actually exhilarating. Uh, I just, I, I think I want to go back and, and reiterate something for anybody. And, and because it, it, for myself, it, it spans my entire career in services. And I've never felt more strongly than I do now about it. And that is that, what, whatever part of the service organization you're in or may run, look at the opportunity to leverage your learnings across your own organization, across the customer relationship, across the entire business. Um, because I just, I, I'm certain that, that services is, I mean, we're biased, we're service people, right? But I'm certain this is also factually true, that there is a lot of unmined gold out there in every service interaction. And I would encourage, again, every individual in a service role and every leader of a service organization to, to take that to heart and, and to play around with that idea. Great. Well, it's obvious to me and to everyone that you're extremely passionate about what you do. And that's a very, very good thing for HPE customers. They're fortunate to have you and your team. Thank you. So, Michael. oh, thank you for being part of this. It's uh, always, always a joy to talk to you and listen to you, because as I just said, you're so passionate about what you're doing in such a positive way. It's wonderful. So thank you again very much for your time. I look forward to maybe we can do this again down the road sometime. And Eric, I will turn it back over to you. Gave it to Michael. This has been fantastic. Um, I've got to make a comment. Michael, you brought up something that is was spot on. Um, and it was that, you know, if, if there's an issue after the customer has been saved, after the customer has been served and the problem has been solved, then there might be an opportunity there to, you know, coupon, discount, whatever you want to call it. And that exact same thing happened to me with my internet service provider. Had great service for a couple of years. We had a modem issue. They shipped out the wrong one. Somebody just made an accident with a number, right? Mm -hmm. Not a big deal, but they were so gracious. They, they helped me. They solved the issue. And then at the end of the call, they said, hey, by the way, we want to let you know that we, we're rolling out this new program, a price for life guarantee. It dropped my bill by 35 bucks a month. Wow. And they didn't need to do that, right? It was, it, it, it was, it was great. So the, the one thing I wanted to add, it wasn't, that's nothing new to what you already said. What was, what's new to me is the fact that, you know, that I told everybody I know about their new deal and their, their, their service to me and how fantastic it had been the previous two years before we ever had the modem issue. It was like the modem issue never existed because of what they did and said and how they helped me out. They didn't, they didn't need to tell me that they could save me 35 bucks a month on that phone call. I would never yeah. have known. So could you please text me their phone number? <laughs> well, and here's the worst part is now I've moved to a location they're not in. And so I'm stuck oh, with another yeah. service provider that's charging me at least twice that and they're, they have terrible service. So I miss well, them. And, it, and the funny thing is I miss them like it's a relationship. Yeah, exactly. Well, you can text me their phone number anyway, even I though will. you don't live in their area anymore. <laughs> so. Definitely will, for sure. All right. Gavin and Michael, this has been fantastic. Michael, did you have some closing thoughts there? No, just thank you again to you for hosting this. And uh, thanks uh, so much for Gavin for her insight and her passion. Yep, absolutely. And I just want to thank you both. And, and listening audience, you got to understand there are a ton of podcasts out there um, that Michael has done and the entire team has done. Great information, great guests every time. Please go back and listen to them. Uh, we appreciate that. So the two of you, thank you again. And of course, to you, the listening audience, you get our last thank you. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Zuper FM Field Service Your Way with Michael Israel. 
If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the guys come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this actually helps others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Zuper FM, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Zuper FM, field service your way. Insightful discussions and advice that help you position your field service operations as a powerful force in building enduring customer loyalty. And remember this, when you deliver excellent service to your customers, you're also facilitating their ability to provide superior service to their customers, which strengthens brand loyalty among their customer base as well. Thanks again. Please join us next time.